um, I want to try to just quickly bring us up to speed and look at some new things tonight. Amen. I'm so appreciative of your uh, presence here, your faithfulness here. And um, I don't ever take, uh, you know, these times for granted. I really believe that Father is, is saying some important things to us and I'm thankful that you're here to hear what he has to say, amen, to, to the church, amen. Um, Romans chapter 8 and uh, beginning at verse number 1, there is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. And He condemned sin in the flesh. I like to say it this way. He condemned what condemned you. Amen. The sin that condemned you and me, Jesus condemned it. So now there's nothing to condemn us because the sin that condemned us has been removed from us. And Jesus, of course, paid the price for it. Now, again, just to draw your attention quickly that in what the scriptures are, are speaking of here, we see these three laws. We see the law of Moses, the law of sin and death, and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. All three of these mentioned here in this verse. We, we compared it, for those of you who are not here this morning, we, we compared this portion of scripture like if you've ever bitten into a dessert, you know, and pulled back and said, man, that's rich. You know, uh, like a brownie or cheesecake is usually really rich. You know, I mean, that's why you get a slice of cheesecake. It's only about that big, right? Because it's, it's so condensed. It's so rich. And, and these verses are like that. They're, they're so condensed and they're, and they're so rich. But they're rich with truth and it's truth that we need in our lives. Things that, you know, some understanding here will go a long, long way to you and me living our best life. Now, I mentioned this this morning as well. I asked a group uh, of men up in, in Coleman, uh, about 80 men, was teaching on these things. And I asked them, I said, how many of you have ever heard of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? And in a group of 80, I think three men raised their hands. And then I said, how many of you have ever heard of the law of sin and death? Again, about those same three, four men raised their hands. How many of you have ever heard of the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments? And of course, just about everybody in the room raised their hands. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing for us to have known about and have a familiarity with the law of Moses. But remember, the law of Moses, according to the Scriptures, only served to reveal a problem that it could not fix. The law of Moses is powerless to uh, do in us what only God by the Holy Spirit can do in us. The law was designed to make the whole world guilty before God, to bring us to the conclusion that unless God saved us, we couldn't save ourselves and we would be doomed. All right, so we're going to spend a little more time on that um, tonight, and then I, I've got a target I'm hoping that we can hit. But again, the law of Moses, the law of sin and death, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, in order for us to, I think, really be able to 
not just understand what all's being covered here. And again, it's, we've just been chipping away at it because there's, there's a lot of important stuff that's here. And it, it, it just takes some time, just to be honest with you, to, to really unpack this and, you know, develop these truths and put them on a low enough shelf that you can not only, again, understand, but begin to apply this wisdom to your life. Remember, the difference is in the doing. It, it, just understanding what the law of sin and death is, understanding what the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is, understanding what the Ten Commandments or the law of Moses is, that's important, but just understanding it alone is not enough. We've got to understand it to the point that we can make the necessary adjustments to our lives according to what's being explained here, what's being revealed here. Amen. Now, an important foundation to all of this is an understanding on your part that God is for you, that God is a good God, that he's a loving heavenly father. The Bible says he takes great pleasure in giving gifts and good things to his children. Every word he's ever spoken to you has been spoken with your best interest in mind. He's not trying to punish you. He's trying to find a way to prosper you. He's not wanting you to be cursed. He's wanting you to be blessed. He's wanting you to be blessed so much that Jesus became a curse for you so that you could be blessed by God. Amen. And in order to properly, again, not just understand what's being talked about here in these first five or six verses or so of Romans 8, not just understand it, but apply it to your life, you, you, have, to, you have to go into it with, with that baseline understanding. One of the great problems that we deal with in the body of Christ today is that people are trying to get the law of Moses to produce in their lives what only the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus can produce. Amen. Remember, let's go back to it. Um, let me put them all up here again. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for, the, for what the law could not do. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. When we talk about living the Christian life, most people their concept of what it means to live the Christian life has to do with our conduct, our, our behavior, our, our obedience, the commands, obeying the commands, obeying the commands. And we still view those commandments as the vehicle through which God imparts righteousness, inheritance, blessings, miracles, answer to prayer. If we can just obey those commandments, if we, if we just do good in, in, in our obedience, then, 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 then God's got something for us and he'll help us and he'll, he'll you know, show us some kindness and some favor. But man, if we ever mess up and break a commandment, you can pretty much you know, rule it out. And there's so many people that have that mindset and, and so, so much energy, please hear me. I, I'm not trying to offend anybody tonight. 
But so much energy is wasted in trying to please God by obeying the commandments. My friend, it doesn't say he's pleased by obeying the commandments. It says he's pleased by faith. Faith is what pleases God. Knowing who He is, trusting Him, putting your confidence in Him. Again, you can, you can try to toe some religious line and, and, and follow some strict obedience and discipline with your life and never know God. Let's come to this conclusion, okay? Apart from Jesus, if you, if you obey, somehow obey every commandment, but don't know the Lord and, and haven't received His gift of salvation, you are just as lost as somebody who's never heard the commandments a single time. Now, let me, I want to show this to you in Scripture. And I've, I've got quite a few verses tonight. I'm going to try to work my way through them rather quickly. Um, but open, if you will, turn in your Bibles with me to, to Galatians chapter 2. All right? Galatians chapter 2. Is it okay if we do this right quick? Amen. I, the Lord laid this on my heart a, a few weeks ago, and I, I've, again, it's, I've been meaning to get to it and do it, and I just, I think this is going to help us tonight. Amen. So Galatians chapter 2. Now, I'm not going to try to, you know, cram the whole book of Galatians into a, you know, 40-minute message tonight, right? But I am going to touch on several things because... Some of the wrong beliefs that we have about the law of Moses, you know, go something like this. Obey the law and I'll be okay with God. Obey the law and I'll be blessed by God. Obeying the law defines the life God wants me to live. My right standing with God depends upon me obeying the law. Again, I know, especially if you were raised in a really strict, religiously minded church, all of that sounds right to you. All of that may sound true to you. But the reality of it is this, obeying the law is not how we're made right with God. Obeying the law is not how we receive blessing from God. Obeying the law does not define the life God wants you to live. And your right standing with God is not dependent upon your obedience to the law. Okay, now if that sounds extreme to you, let me show it to you in Scripture. Galatians chapter 2, let's begin in verse number 16. It says this, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. The, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. I think that's pretty clear, okay? But just in case you're not understanding what that word justified means, it is, it is the same root word that's translated righteousness or, or right standing with God, and it means just as if I'd never sinned. So there is a way, please hear me, this is good news, there is a way for a man or a woman to be justified in the sight of God, but it's not... It's not realized, it's not found, it's not experienced by obeying the works, by, by obeying the law or by the works of the law. All right, skip down with me to verse number 20, same uh, chapter, Galatians 2, now verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So notice now, he says that by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in the eyes of God. But then he also says that if it were true, if a man or a woman could be made right with God through their obedience to the commandments, then Jesus died for no reason. Now, also I want you to notice here, because we're answering a few questions. Let me, let me give you the questions uh, again from this morning, all right? Three fundamental questions. Am I boring you? Are you okay? Amen. we got a little teaching to do tonight. We're going to do some teaching. The fundamental questions we need to answer are these. Are you ready? While on this earth in the flesh. Amen. While on this earth in the flesh. Number one, how do we live the way God intended us to live? Number two, how do we experience the quality and condition of life he created us to enjoy? How do we experience the quality and condition of life he created us to enjoy? enjoy? And number three, how do we fulfill our God-given purpose and destiny? How do we fulfill our God-given purpose and destiny? Three very important questions that I don't know if you've ever sat down and really pondered those things. Um, I, I would dare say that if you're interested at all in, in living for God, if you're interested at all in a life that pleases God, then, then you're interested in, in exactly how we do this. How do we live the life God intended for us to live? How do we experience the quality and condition of life He created us to enjoy? And how do we fulfill our God-given purpose and destiny? Let me just go ahead, and because we're going to cover these things in the remaining verses uh, in, in Galatians, because that's really what, what Galatians is, is answering. It's, it's telling us how to do it, but at the same time, it's, it's also enforcing uh, or reinforcing for you and me that we do not answer these questions. We do not fulfill uh, our destiny. We do not live the life God intended. We cannot experience the condition and quality of life that God created us to enjoy by simply obeying the commands. Let me, let me try to say this another way. God did not just create you to boss you around. He didn't create you just so he could tell you what not to do, where not to go, how not to live. So when he says in Galatians um, 2 and 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you. Come on now. Christ lives in me. He lives in you. The anointed one and his anointing lives inside of you and me. He dwells in you now. Before you were born again, he did not dwell in you. Amen? The lights were out and nobody was at home. But now he lives in you. This is why he called you the light of the world. Jesus is not just the light of the world. You now have become a light in this world. You now have become a light shining in the darkness because the light of the world lives in you. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you. Frank Vowell and, and Leonard Sweet, they talk about it in their book, The Jesus Manifesto. They say we've got the gospel all wrong in the sense that we think the gospel is be like Jesus. Go live up to the standard that Jesus, you know, established and set for us. Jesus is the greatest man that ever lived. And this is how they make that comparison. They say it will be like if you're an aspiring piano player 
And everybody was telling you to be like Beethoven, play like Beethoven, play the piano like Beethoven, keep trying until you can play like Beethoven. Well, that's, that's an impossible standard to live up to, right? See, again, the commandments do not define the life God created you and me to live. Jesus defines the life that he created you and me to live. We said this on Wednesday night in the discipleship class. Jesus came to reveal God to you, but he also came to reveal you to you. So the wonderful news of the gospel is not be like Jesus, but, but this is how Frank Vaughn and Leonard Sweet say it in their book. What if Beethoven could come live in you and play the piano through you? See, the good news of the gospel is Christ lives in me. And because he lives in me, I can learn how to let him live through me. Let him express himself through me. Let him uh, work through me. Let him love other people through me. So that I can truly love other people as he's loved me. And if, you, if you're born again, listen, I, you say, Pastor Mark, I'm, I'm saved and all, but you don't know what I've done this week. That doesn't matter. It doesn't change who lives in you. But when we get so focused on thinking that our righteousness is based upon our obedience to the commandments, again, this wrong focus separates us, practically speaking, from the very power that resides within us. I'm not saying it separates the power from you, but it separates you in a practical way from the power that resides in you to obey those commandments and do what God created you to do. So Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Now, go with me to Galatians chapter 3, this time verse number 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? So again, there's a lot of preaching and teaching here. But what is he saying to the Galatians? See, the Galatians, they were saved by grace. They heard the gospel message. They believed in their heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that, G that God the Father raised him from the dead. They confessed that out of their mouths, and they became new creations in Christ Jesus. And in that moment, through that experience, they became justified before God. But now others had come in after Paul left them. Others had come in behind Paul and preached a wrong gospel to them, preached a wrong message to them. And, and those false prophets, those false preachers, they told the Galatians that maintaining their righteousness was based upon their obedience to the Ten Commandments. And so notice what Paul is asking them. This only did I, do I want to learn from this only I want to learn from you. Did, verse 2, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And the answer is clear. They received the Spirit by the hearing of faith. Because you cannot receive salvation through works. You cannot receive the Spirit of God living and dwelling on the inside of you because you've made yourself good enough for Him to move into you. 
Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? That word perfect means mature. It has the idea of the inward reality becoming an outward manifestation of life. Now, verse number 5, Galatians 3 and 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it, capital H, so this is speaking of, of Jesus, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Is the Spirit supplied to you? And I love this next one. And works miracles among you. Do you understand Father still wants to work miracles among us? That He wants to work miracles in this room tonight? And do you understand that one of the hindrances to His ability to work miracles among His people is our insistence on clinging to the Old Testament commandments as a means of being right before God and as a means of somehow earning or deserving the supply of His Spirit and the flow and, and moving of, the, of, of miracles among us? He says again, He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does He do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And the answer again is clear. It's by the hearing of faith. Now, go with me uh, to Galatians 3, skip down to verse number 9. So he begins this way, verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Let's keep reading. Verse 11. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Let me stop here. We're going to read a few more, but let me stop right here for just a moment, all right? Because, again, what he just covered is so extremely important. Because... Now he has shifted from how it is we're made right before God in the eyes of God and we see absolutely, unequivocally, it has nothing to do with our obedience to the commandments of Moses, but it has to do with our faith in Jesus Christ. It is through faith in Jesus that we're made right before God in the eyes of God. We receive that, that new identity. We receive that standing. We receive that position as a gift. It is grace. It is grace alone that has made you and me thus before our Creator Father. Amen. But then he doesn't stop. He says, now let's talk about, because that's the life that God intended for us to live. He created us to live a life upright before him. Amen? But we also see now that he intends for us, created us to enjoy a blessed life. He created us to be blessed by him, empowered to prosper by him, and he created us to live a life of blessing. Amen? 
So much so that, that we are so blessed by God that we become a blessing to other people. He didn't just tell, tell Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, son. He said, I'm going to make you a blessing. In order for Abraham to be a blessing to those around him, he was going to have to be blessed personally. And so we see that God blessed him to the point that he became a blessing to other people. This is the condition or quality of life that God created you to live. He created you to live a blessed life. Come on now, a blessed life. The problem with that was sin trapped us under a curse. Sin trapped us under the curse of the law. We were born of the corrupted seed of Adam. We were born into sin. The Bible says we were by nature children of wrath. We were the offspring of disobedience. And we now were trapped under the curse, under the curse of the law. But Jesus came, amen? That's what he's going to talk about in this, in this next verse, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone one who hangs on a tree. And this is referring to Jesus' crucifixion. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, not through works, not through um, you know, our obedience to the Ten Commandments, but through our faith in Jesus and the blood that he shed for us to make us right before God in the eyes of God. Amen? We covered a lot of stuff right there. Let me, let me go back through it one more time. Again, starting over at verse number 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Are you of faith tonight? Or, 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 of you, or are you of works? This is what he's asking here. In other words, your approach, your perspective to this, your attitude towards this. Do you believe you're, you're blessed because of your obedience? Or do you believe you're blessed because of your faith in Christ Jesus? Do you believe you're healed because of your faith in Christ Jesus? Or that you're healed because you've been really good for the last three months and now God owes you a miracle? Do you believe he supplies the Spirit to you on the basis of, how, of what you've done for him lately? Or do you believe he supplies his Spirit to you because of your faith in the completed work of Jesus on the cross? You can't have it both ways, my brother and my sister. Do you believe that you're blessed tonight because Jesus became a curse for you and brought you out from under that curse? Or do you believe you're blessed tonight, again, because your obedience and your faithfulness and, 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 and all these things have somehow earned you a blessing from God? These are the questions that he's asking. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law, are under the curse, for it's written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now, I don't, we could spend a long time right here, but if you look at the language of this, God didn't say, if you get it 83% right, you'll be blessed. See, that's the problem that people... Who, who believe our righteousness is based upon our obedience. This is the problem. This is, this is the error in their thinking. Because they think because they're doing pretty good that it's good enough. No, the Bible says not just the, the, the ten in stone, but there's about 600 other ordinances, and that if you break one of them, you're guilty of all of them. It's 
an all-or-nothing proposition. But see, we think, we think the, the Old Testament grades on the curve. Did anybody ever have teachers like that in school? You follow me? You, you, you had that one guy in the class that always made 100 on every test, you know. Grading on the curve means whoever has the best grade, that becomes the highest possible grade, and everybody else's grade mathematically is determined by that highest grade, grading on the curve. So we think that somehow uh, that, that God is grading on the curve, and that because we're just as good as other people, and we don't break any more of God's commands than anybody else breaks, that somehow that makes us right, and somehow that makes us okay, and somehow that makes us deserving, and somehow that makes us good. My brother, my sister, that is not how this works. And if that's how, if that's how you think it works, again, you are deceived. Our blessing, our ability to be blessed by God and live a blessed life is not based upon our performance. It's not based upon what we do for God. It's based upon what Jesus has done for us. So everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them is cursed. But that no one is justified by the law on the side of God is evident for the just should live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. We talked about this a little bit this morning. Praise the name of the living God. And in the sense that the law being an external standard and an external measurement there's something about it, even though our flesh resists the limitations, there's a competitive nature in us. Have you figured that out by now? There, there's, there's like, you know, it's, it's almost like we view those commandments as, as a dare. I dare you to try. I dare you to do it, right? And notice, when it comes to the flesh and the law of sin and death that's written in our flesh, Anything that engages the flesh, any, anything that, that the flesh is, is, is trying to, to live up to, it automatically kicks in to pride, which kicks into independence. See, that's the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy is that you can do life without God. The lie of the enemy is that you can succeed without God. The lie of the enemy is that you can prosper without God. The lie of the enemy is that the world system has anything and everything that you need, and, and you can get over here in the world system and find what you need in that system, and, and you won't have to listen to God. You won't have to fool with God. You won't have to do anything that God says. This is the lie of the enemy. And so this is when he talks about this in Romans 7, how that when the law came, it aroused within us all manner of evil desire. It's because now all of a sudden we saw it as a, as, as, as a righteousness do-it-yourself project. That this, you know, independent of God, we can through discipline and, and, and sacrifice and, 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 and self-will, that, that willpower, we can somehow obey these commands and make ourselves right, uh, you know, by our own efforts. That's why it says the law is not of faith. It's not that the law is wrong or bad, it's just the effect that it has upon us. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, my brother, my sister. 
if you've ever read anything about the blessing of Abraham in the Old Testament, okay? We shouldn't call it the Midas touch. We should call it the Abraham touch. Amen. The blessing of God, which is empowerment from heaven upon a person to prosper that person. God blessed Abraham. Abraham became so blessed and prosperous that he didn't even know how much he had. And it is this blessing that Father God desires to be upon you and me, non-Jewish men and women, but those who are in Christ Jesus. All right, let's finish this. Verse 18, Galatians 3 and 18. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Verse 21. If the law then, is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, you following this? Truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. All right, now, we've just went one more layer into this. Now he's talking about your inheritance, okay? I don't know if anybody has told you this yet or not, but you have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. That inheritance is what belongs to you because of who you are in Christ. The Bible says it this way later in Romans 8 that you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Wow. You see, as God's children, it's always been God's will for us to receive inheritance from Him. I am an heir of David and Brenda Winslet. I am a joint heir with my brother Matthew and my sister Meredith. Are you following what I'm saying here? My inheritance from them is what belongs to me because of who I am in them, because of who I am in this family. You've, are you, you following this? Okay. Your inheritance in Christ is what belongs to you as a member of the family of God. Amen. So again, let's go back to one of the things we said in the beginning. God is a good God. He wants to bless you. He loves you. His desire is to share Himself with you. His desire is to share everything that He is and everything that He has with you. His desire is to give to you His kingdom. His desire is to share with you His, his life, to share with you His power, to share with you His throne, to give to you, again, His kingdom. This is what belongs to you because of who you are. And notice that the law was powerless to provide you with that inheritance. That inheritance doesn't come by obeying the commandments. It comes by faith and through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, let's, again, just a few more verses. Verse 23, But before faith came, 
we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Now, I don't know if you ever tutored somebody or if you ever had to be tutored, let's say geometry was really hard for you in school and so you got you a tutor or someone to help you with geometry. We look at this word and we, we try to understand this verse from our understanding of this word tutor and you can't look at it that way because that's not what this means. In their households, the oldest and or most trusted servant would have been referred to as the tutor. And one of his responsibilities, listen to me now, one of his responsibilities would have been to get the children from their home to their classroom in school safely, right? In other words, they didn't have school buses in those days. The children would have to, you know, load up, walk to school. And young boys could become easily distracted between home and school, right? I mean, the first frog they saw, the first mud puddle they came to, you know. Again, they left with every intention of going straight to school, but something else caught their eye and, veer, and pulled them off course. And next thing you know, they're lost, they're far away from school. So the tutor's responsibility was to go with the boys and keep them on the path between home and school, and then when school was over, bring them back again. So the idea was to get them from point A to point B. This puts the law in such a powerful, you know, as far as perspective, as far as the understanding of what it was intended to do. With that meaning, let's go back. Before faith came. Now, obviously, Faith is as old as the Bible. Faith is as old as God himself. This faith is referring to faith in Christ Jesus. Faith in the completed work of Jesus, what he has done for you and me. Am I boring or are you good? You got just a minute or two longer. So he says before faith came, let me say it another option. Before believing on Jesus was an option. Let me say it another way. Before believing on Jesus was an option. We were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. As we start wandering off into thievery, the law was designed to bring us back. We wandered off into fornication, the law was designed to bring us back. We got off track from where Jesus and, 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 and God and the Holy Spirit was trying to bring uh, not just the Jewish people, but all of humanity to a living, breathing fellowship relationship with Him, right? That law was designed to keep us focused and bring us to the schoolhouse. The schoolhouse is, in, in this example, is faith in, in Jesus Christ. 
So after faith has come, before faith came, the law served a purpose. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. Someone has replaced the law in the job the law used to do. And that someone is the Holy Spirit. It's no longer an external set of boundaries that keeps us in check, but it's the Holy Spirit who leads and guides us every step along the way. Praise the name of the living God. Amen. All right, stand with me. Praise God. Let me, can you listen and stand for just a minute more? All right. This time of year, getting the temperature right in here is a challenge, okay? And uh, so I got here really early this morning. It was cold in here, so was like 70 degrees in here. But just a few minutes ago, I realized kind of a little stuffy in here, so the thermostats are controlled. Uh, you, can, you, you, know, you can control those thermostats from Zimbabwe if you've got an internet connection. And so I just whipped up my iPad and pulled up the app and dropped the temperature down a few degrees in here. You follow me? It just shut off, praise God. All right. Now, what that thermostat does is it makes it very easy for me to engage what is otherwise a very complex process, machinery. I mean, there's compressors, there's Freon, there's condensers, there's, there's um, you know, pressure coming into the machine, pressure going out if the Freon drops, there's, there's belts, there's fans, there's heat exchange, there's um, coils, there's uh, control panels, there's you know, there's the right electricity to these things. There's high voltage, there's low voltage. In other words, it's a pretty complex system. Now, if you're here and you understand all of that, then good for you. Amen. All right. Um, but I personally uh, know very little to nothing about it. But here's the amazing thing, okay? I don't have to understand all the complexity of that machinery. I just know how to push a button that says on and an arrow, if I want it colder, I push the one that's pointing down or if I want it warmer, I push the one that's pointing up. There's, that becomes my portal to operate in something that is very complex, very deep, okay? But that simple device enables me to tap into something that is much bigger than my understanding and much more complex than what I know. Are you following me? Okay. This is where we're headed. I, I was hoping I'd have about 30 minutes left to explain all this, but it, we'll get there. We'll get there, I promise you. But just listen to me, please. What Jesus has done for you and me through the new birth is he said, look, 
let, let me make this easy for you. There's things in you that you don't even know are there. There's power in you that created the universe. There's authority in you that causes every devil in hell to tremble. There's wealth in you that goes beyond anything this planet has ever known. In you right now. There is righteousness in you that, that until Jesus gave you that righteousness as a gift, it only existed in one place in the universe, and that was in Christ Jesus. Now that righteousness is in you. All of this is in you. Exactly. See, again, <laughs> you, you're at a loss for words when you start trying to explain this. It'd be like me trying to figure out how to put Freon in one of these air conditioners. You understand what I'm saying? I don't, I don't understand how all that works. I mean, the outside temperature, blah. Again, it's very complicated, but I don't have to know all that to go push that button over there. And I don't have to understand how every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places can be deposited in me. I don't have to understand how, if I'm perfectly trained in the kingdom, I'm like the owner of a general store that can put my hand on anything that anybody needs anytime they need it. I don't have to understand how all that is in me to tap into that. What do I have to know how to do? I have to know how to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. It's that simple. In the same way that it's very simple to go touch the down button on that. I didn't notice, I didn't even have to walk to the thermostat. I just, amen. And I don't even know how that happens. I mean, how can this iPad, you follow what I'm saying? I don't know, that, but I don't even have to, I don't have to know how that works to push those buttons, right? I don't have to know all that's in me to benefit from all that's in me. I just know that I can tap into what God has put in me by setting my mind on the things of the Spirit. Because if I do that, I'll live according to what's in my spirit right now. Do you see that? I don't have to understand how they generate electricity down at the Miller steam plant to turn that light switch on back there. I don't have to understand. I don't, I, now, Matthew understands all that. He's an electrical engineer. I don't have to understand all of that, how they get that electricity to here, generate it, store it, keep it, frying every, from frying. I don't understand. All that is complicated stuff, Right? but I can benefit from all that stuff I don't understand if I just know how to flip the switch. Amen. You see why the devil fights us so hard? Why the devil does everything he can to keep you and me from setting our mind on the things of the Spirit? Amen. But he's losing that fight. Amen. All right, Father, thank you for the things that you've shared with us tonight from your word. Things, Father, that Lord, are hitting different places in, in different people's hearts tonight. But Lord, I thank you that for some, this was new stuff they've never heard before. For others, Lord, it's reinforcing things that they've already been taught by you. But Father, I thank you tonight that you're showing us how to tap into eternity itself. You're showing us, Father, how to take what's in heaven right now and bring it into the earth your kingdom come, your will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. Father, it begins with a mindset. It begins with the setting of our minds. A simple act that connects us 
with profound, eternal truth and power. Father, we thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you so much for being here this evening, today. Amen. Good things coming for you and your family this week.